severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industry. I am your editor, Ellie Mitchell, once again back with the intros and outros this week. Jamie is busy planning out and finalising our show for the Edinburgh Fringe, which we are taking to Edinburgh this month. If you haven't heard on our social medias, we are bringing Just Get A Real Job to the Edinburgh Fringe. That means we're going to do free Wednesday nights, free live shows with incredible guests. And as always, if you want to find out more, check in the link below this episode and also on our social medias as well. We're going to have incredible conversations. Yes, turn up, say hello and enjoy the show. We'll be bringing the podcast at the Voodoo Rooms. As I say, more information, just check the link below. Your housekeeping rules, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode and for the podcast is make sure to like us and share us on social media. Tell your friends and family to listen. Check our back catalogue for every episode that we've done. This is episode 86. We have hundreds, and well, I wouldn't say hundreds, but we've done 85 other episodes of the podcast that you can check out. Do check the back catalogue. Also, if you're able to do so, you can also donate to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash justgetarealjob. You can donate as little or as much as you like. Helps the podcast immensely. We appreciate your support as always. And yes, thank you once again for listening to this week's episode. Now for this week, Jamie had a great conversation with Tamsin Hurtado-Clark. She's an artistic director based in Bristol. They had an amazing conversation about her starting her own theatre company. More information about her Edinburgh Fringe show she's bringing to Edinburgh called Push. You'll find more information about her show in the episode itself, but also there are links to her show in the show notes. Talks more about moving out of London and our advice for other creatives, as well as a plethora of much, much more. So a really good conversation. Enough from me. You'll hear me at the very end. But this is episode 86 of Just Get A Real Job with artistic director Tamsin Tortado-Clark. Good evening, Tamsin. How are you doing? It's lovely to meet you and it's lovely to have you on the podcast on this. I'm going to say sunny Wednesday evening. It's sunny where I am. I know you're in your rehearsal space right now. Yeah, it's sunny here as well. So it's been beautiful weather. Typically gorgeous weather whilst we've been stuck in a black box for the last Mm. few days. But we can't complain. It's been gorgeous outside. So yeah. Where about are you recording from today? I'm in Bristol. Oh, lovely. I've never been to Bristol. I've heard lots of good things about it. I've heard it's like the place to be as a creative and stuff. I've actually heard good things, yeah. It's really fun. It's really fun. Lots of really great people and beautiful city, lots of water. So yeah, lots of creatives as well. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. Well, before I sort of get into today's episode, I, I just wondered if you wanted to introduce yourself very quickly, like what you do in the arts, like, and then we'll get into the, the fun stuff. Okay, cool. Well, my name is Tamsin Urtado-Clark and I am a performer and theatre maker. And I'm artistic director of my company called Popole, which is based here in Bristol. And we may theatre work that incorporates like physical theatre, sort of original sound, music, text, 
oh, lots of different things. Never really quite sure how to define it, really. <laughs> Come and see a show. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I mean, the best way. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then obviously you're taking push to the fringe this year. Finally, after like two years, I mean, I know you did a digital yeah. version of it last year, but like it must be very yeah. frustrating. So we'll, we'll get into that fully soon. Great. But we, but we normally sort of kick off, just get a real job. By going, so I'm going to be asking you to cash your mind back, but we sort of kick off the show by asking people about their earliest creative memories. So do you remember as a youngster, were you sort of doing artistic things were you writing were you making theater were you doing anything like that like how did it all begin it all began with Bugsy Malone in my school theater and like every young girl you want to be cast as Tallulah because she's like you know the hottie (laughs) beautiful woman and I got cast as Fat Sam and that was the making of my career So it wasn't great to be cast, but then I I loved the role so much. It was hugely comedic and I got to wear a cool costume and, and I, yeah, I loved, I loved the role. So yeah, I realized then that that was my kind of, yeah, I liked the kind of funny roles and the, uh, the character roles really. So yeah, that was my earliest one. That's when I was like, now I want to be an actor. But do you, did you remember as a, I take, how old would you remember how old you were when you did that, that show? Was that like Yeah, I was May? 10. So quite young age. Yeah. yeah. Did you remember like auditioning for that? Did you, were, were you aware yeah. that this was a job or like, was this more just like, I just loved it. It was fun. Did you ever think at that point, I could do this forever. This could be my life. Yeah. Life. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that you could do it. Yeah, maybe I did. I think I think I was like, you have to excuse me, it was a long time ago, but it was I think I was like, yeah, I want to do this now for I want to always be up on stage. I you know, it really got me hooked that feeling of being on stage, the nerves, the excitement, and then the audience laughing with you and, you know, hamming it up. Love that. Love that. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. And to sort of also, I mean, another question which kind of links into this one is, as we ask on the podcast about where you're from and how where you're from has influenced you as a creative. So have you all, mm. are you from Bristol? Like, is that like where you grew up or is that like just where you'd end up living now? Yeah, I, do, I moved here eight years ago. So I'm originally from London. Mm-hmm. which yeah I grew up in southeast London but my mom's from Venezuela I spent a lot of time in in Latin America well in Venezuela specifically and h- hanging out with my family there learning the language learning the culture and yeah it was a huge influence actually more later in life when I started making my theatre work for my company I ended up using a lot of my Latin American influences mm-hmm. in writing the stories that I have well, written on stage and the characters have been Latin American and it's a kind of go two now for me I really like tapping into that side of myself and I'm very much a dual character in daily life as well like I'm very I can be very Latina and I can be very British so I'm definitely like the two even day to day so yeah hugely influenced by by Hmm. Latin America on that that's really interesting what sort of in Latin America I mean I know you're not I'm not asking you to like put you on the spot a wee bit but like what sort of is the creative sense over there like what what's different about the creative arts there as somebody who's never been or like doesn't know a lot about Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't make work over there a lot. Mm. So I don't know what their kind of process is, but they're, they're big on humor and they like a kind of slapstick comedy. They're kind of like a bit more clowny, like kind of silly clown. 
I would mm -hmm. say. Whereas the English humor is kind of dry, it's self-deprecating. So I don't know, like it's much more kind of looking in on the British public humor. Whereas Latin America is more clowny, physical, slapstick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always enjoy <laughs> <laughs> some of the Latin American stuff that I watch. But they've got some great festivals, like big theater festivals there that are brilliant to go and watch their kind of creation. They're really good at site-specific stuff. They like taking things out of theatrical spaces and putting them in the street and connecting with audiences like that. They're really good at that. I saw this one show at the festival in Bogota that was on a chiva, which is the, the old buses that they would take the workers around in. And then they... Mm. They don't use them anymore, but they would colour them and make, make them really beautiful. And you, you as a tourist can go in them and around Bogota or even around Colombia. And they did a whole performance in one of them around the city of Bogota. And it was incredible. Very hard hitting. It was about a journalist who had been killed by the guerrilleros. And it was really good. So, yeah, they're good at that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing a bit of like flavour of Venezuela. I mean, we're a creative podcast. Mostly our guests are from like the UK. But like we, right. you know, we've had guests from all over the world before and like the mm. other countries and it's always lovely to like have guests like yourself who have, you know have that sort of multilingual international like influence on the work as well and just to eat about it and I'm, I'm intrigued to ask you my next question which is about your favorite word or phrase from where you're from and like yeah. up. so I'm going to sort of be a bit cheeky I'm going to ask you for obviously a, a word from like the UK but I'm also and like particularly growing up in London but I might also ask you if, if you have like a, a Venezuelan phrase you would be happy to share or, or know mean, off the top of your head <laughs> you don't have I mean, to I know as I when you sent me this question I was like a phrase that's creative not 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 creative just not i just like this uh, question I, I mean it's just because okay. i'm quite nosy and just love hearing like <laughs> you know as, as a scottish person like we have very specific words and, and dialogue and stuff so i always love finding out about yeah. what people sort of where they're from and how that works yeah so hard. it's really hard isn't it like it's a tough one i don't really think that there's i mean there's a great word in in latin america well no it's really specifically venezuela that we use chevere chevere means cool and when people use it you know that they're from Venezuela I mean some other countries have started to use it but I think like traditionally it's always been a very Venezuelan word and it's like our way of saying cool Chévere, ¿cómo estás, chamo? Chévere, gracias. And uh, when a Venezuelan person says it, they have a really nice ring to it. And that's my favourite Venezuelan word. Oh, cool, I like it. Chévere. And then English, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether the English, no. I mean, I'm still, I'm still learning. <laughs> I was saying to my, my creative team, <laughs> I've just, I've just learned the word lit. It was lit. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Now I've learned a new word. I feel like I'm I'm, I'm cool and I'm going to start using that word now <laughs> are you going to be handing out flyers for push just saying oh it's lit come see it's lit yeah it's lit come and see it's lit yeah that's that's what I'm going to do I'm go. also taking my dog up and I'm dressing my dog up like a baby and I think that that's going to help me sell tickets using cool young hip language and having a dog I think I'm on a winning trajectory yeah, the, Scottish, the, Scottish, the Scottish public will be will be, will be won over instantly um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I say that I mean have most of Edinburgh's not even like Scotland and the fringe to be fair it's like a, uh, yeah, yeah. that's true Man, um, I know. I think all the Scots quickly run away. Yeah, uh, we, we get the whole there, month. Like, oh, we'll just leave <laughs> yeah. them to that. <laughs> so I'm very excited for the French to come back after a I massive know. three year hiatus. It's going to be great. I know. It's like going to be good, man. It's going to be, be good. good. Yeah. But before we sort of go on to talk about Push and other stuff, I mean, obviously, you'd had like a quite an interesting career from what I was briefly reading about this before the interview. I know you like studied in Paris and things like that. But like when you were a sort of teenager, like what, what were your sort of thought process like? Did you go off to study then? Did you think, 
I'm going to go off and try and be an actor or work in theatre like what Mm. what did you what was your initial steps after like leaving school so I was a bit I wasn't or never have been particularly academic so for me after school I just kind of wanted out and I was the only one in my school that didn't apply to uni and I think my school was like why don't you apply I was like oh I don't want to but I always knew I wanted to go to Jacques Lecoq which is the physical theatre mind school in Paris Mm. but they wouldn't take you until you were 21 okay so I went on a gap year which turned into two and then I became a croupier in a casino so I was a dealer in a, in a casino I was dealing roulette and blackjack and casino stud poker and I really enjoyed that that was kind of like some life experience as well as my travels which were life experience and then I just waited until I could get in and then I got into Lecoq and so I, then I just went there which worked really well for me because it was a drama school that was extremely practical and there was no essay writing stuff that I really wasn't very good at so yeah I was lucky to have, to have found a place that accommodated my style of intellect <laughs> which is physical it's very much to do with the body and associated with physical learning so yeah yeah I think I think it's interesting because I mean we'd had like what I think maybe 84 85 guests on this podcast now and like everyone's sort of path's different and like you know you yeah. say like you're not academic a lot of people in the creative industries weren't academic or di- you know didn't feel that they fit it into like a normal whatever normal yeah means. I mean I say yeah. that at a well, time where we'd really sort of identified what normal means but like I mean the whole idea of this podcast is like sort of kicking back against that because like obviously mm. that just get a real job attitude so like I think it's nice yeah. that someone like yourself who's like now working in the industry is like honest that you know I didn't really didn't really do particularly well at school and you just wanted to go off and like do your own thing and I think that's you know that's fair enough and like there's no right path yeah. so it's interesting yeah and also like it's so funny because you know things like history really bored me at school and I found it super difficult to engage with but then when I wrote my show Manuelita I went on a six-week mission around Latin America to discover the history of this woman and I had to go and talk to people I had to go to museums so mm. I was engaging in history but in a way I could I could do it and I went on a horseback ride to the Andes up the Andes which she would have done as a revolutionary so that way of engaging with history was was way more and then it's imprinted in my mind and I know all of that stuff and it's in there and then I use that to write the show so you know it's just how you engage with the subject matter and how it how you want to put it in there if it's on a book and it's about British kings and queens I'm afraid it's just not going to go in there <laughs> and also I think just the way that in the west particularly we, we educate people is very like it's the same it's very like this is how we do it and I think I yeah. mean the arts the arts constantly I mean another conversation that comes up in this podcast time and time again is like the different ways you can engage and learn something as you just like pointed out you know if we the same approach doesn't work for everyone um, no exactly you know you're a very yeah. good example of that but that sounds very exciting do you want to tell us a bit more about like studying in Paris I'm not going to attempt to say the name of the school I end up getting it wrong Jacques but... Lecoq <laughs> <laughs> it was great it was really it was really cool and it was those all practical and it it focused all on physical theatre so a very physical approach to creating work instead of psychological or fantasy moving into like the world of text and and psychology it was very much outwardly thinking about what animal or color or material can influence this character and how I might walk across the stage or how I might engage with someone else we looked at mask half mask full mask or media so everything very big in terms of body and gestural language which you know sometimes touched on the dance but most Mm. of the time touched on the physical kind of 
storytelling side of things and it was great you know I learned French didn't speak a word of French before I went and uh, learned it lived in Paris which is a beautiful city yeah. I'm glad I don't live there anymore but it you know it served its purpose and it was good fun whilst I was there so yeah it was great yeah uh, but the French have like a very different I'm not going I'm not going to make you like go into like French creative stuff like I did <laughs> but they do have quite a different approach to like the arts and I feel like they actually almost value them a bit more in France I get the impression like Definitely. they fund their own films there like yeah we don't, we don't do that in the UK which is sad like there's a lot of you know there's not the funding here that they have in France so that must have been interesting to be yeah to. yeah they have the intermittence I think is what you, is how they call it where if you're a professional actor and you get regular professional work then the government will subsidize your work when you're out of work and they'll well and subsidize you on a re- on a monthly basis w- as an artist amazing, which is amazing eh? you know that's basically saying like yes we want you to keep going we see that you're a professional you're not taking the piss like here's some money every month to make sure that you you know are able to survive and continue making work which we believe enriches society which it does but I'm afraid we just have we just don't have anything like that remotely like that in or, our society. Or even you know? a sort of interest really in making it a thing. Sadly, yeah, like I know. I've never I never even heard a British government talk about potentially that might be an interesting way of setting it up. It's just it's always the first one to lose funds, and it's always you know the the first one to be sort of axed when it ca- when it comes to yeah. you know austerity moves or anything like that. It's always like, well, we'll take money out of the arts and. You're like, ah, no, what are no, we? 100%. What are we? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's very sad, but I mean, let's say all we can do is talk about it and raise it, and and you know, this, you know, this is a, we're trying. Yeah. This is a, a celebratory environment, and obviously, yeah, there's lots, yeah, to, yeah. lots of things to be positive about as we come out of the yeah. pandemic. But after sort yeah. of leave, coming back from Paris, like, did, I assume, did you come straight back to the UK then after that and start like, yes. using what you'd learned, or imagine did that take a while to get on your feet? Yeah, it took a while. I sort of, you know, I did the whole sit by the phone waiting for an like as an actor. Uh, maybe I think I tried to get an agent for a little bit but I didn't have that much experience as a professional actor by then so and also the training that we get at Lecoq was was all kind of collaborative work so I mm. also tried to form some companies with some people which didn't go very well yeah and made a few shows but then I realized that I needed to just be I wanted to create my own company and then write my own shows. And it took me a while. It took me a good three years from leaving Paris, coming back. I became a a courier, a bicycle messenger for a little bit. And then, yeah, and then I was like, okay, I think I'm ready now to attempt. And I did an adaptation of a book, which we then made into a show. And it was great. And it was wonderful. So... Takes a while, though, you know, you need yeah, to get, yeah. build up your confidence. You've got to believe that you have a voice and that your story is worth telling and things like that. And that takes time. And it takes, yeah, some knocks as well. And and to also gather your peer group around you and, 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 and have those people support you and be like, yes, you can do it. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, there's something I, I say all, all the time in the podcast, like your network and your peer group are so important in this industry, like whatever part of it. Yeah, you're in. I mean, yeah I, I, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I work in TV, which is a slightly different part of the industry, but like even there, like it's so often that I'll have a bad day at work or like a stressful day or something. And it's like, you know, I depend on that like sort yeah. of group or that they help you like, you know, there's jobs available, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely. So how, so how, how long ago did you set up? be a theater company then like that is that was that recent so, or 10 years ago now 10 years wow which is insane yeah, yeah. so we're having our 10th anniversary this october really um, exciting yeah which is great i mean it's been ups and downs and it doesn't feel like 10 years because two of those years were lost to the pandemic so definitely i'm like 
Yeah, it's been great. And I, I work very closely with Scarlett Pluvier, who is the co-director of Populay. And she directed both Manuelita and 100 Years and Push. So, you know, we developed a communication and a, and a, mm. a language together, which is, and you know, amazing to find that person who you trust creatively to create work with. And it was one of the, well, it is still for me, like remains the best relationship I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know it's great because we we really understand each other and we understand I trust her in terms of dramaturgy and story and character and she trusts me when it comes to movement and you know ideas and yeah color and so the two of us you know we, we make an ensemble that's really exciting um, and now we've got Penny who's our producer who's been with us a year and that's been great because now we've got somebody who looks at it from a more practical side and can bring in elements of you know looking at the company as a whole not just you know creating stuff but also all the strands that we've had as yeah. a company over these 10 years which include a commission it, can be, it includes an Anglo-Latin festival in Bristol you know and she comes in and like looks at it as a whole and says like this is a company what are we going to do with it and stuff so yeah it's been good, good yeah 10 years, really exciting. and just while we have you on the podcast because we haven't had a lot of creative directors or artistic directors or companies like what advice would you give to somebody that want I mean I'm going to ask you about a sort of separate advice question as I sent you but yeah as, like what would you say to somebody that once said you today like I'm going to set up a company like, like what I mean how would you go about doing yeah, that yeah I guess you can set up a company with like in it in whatever way you want you know I I, I think for me, it made a huge difference having Scarlett with me and having that support. If I was on my own, which I was at certain times over those 10 years, because Scarlett went off and did other things, it's really lonely. And I think finding a team that you can trust is a huge part of the creative process. And also to bounce ideas off with and just, you know, someone to ground you a bit, slap you in the face when you need a slap. And yeah, I would say, but it's simple, you know, you just go to company's house and start a company like if you want to be a limited company or if you don't want to do all of that business stuff just call yourself a company <laughs> I mean it's pretty easy but you know you want you want your work to show your you know creative integrity and to show that you know mm -hmm. the level of professionalism that you want to convey and kind of stories that you want to talk about so I think deciding what those are as a company is also really important yeah. but sometimes that just starts with an idea you know sometimes it's not about figuring everything out first it's about you know potentially making a show and then you know is that the kind of topic I want to do and you know are those the audiences I want to appeal to so that maybe makes your next show and you know so on yeah and I imagine like the community is a big part of what you do as well like especially being based somewhere like Bristol which does seem like quite a supportive place to like make art from what I've heard yeah it's great here there's always someone that you're like oh I need a projector I need some lights or blah, 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 and someone's around oh I need a song for the beginning thing hey can you write me a jingle or you know photographer filmmaker so yeah community is hugely important and I was glad when I decided to move to Bristol because it definitely felt more community than London so mm -hmm. yeah I think definitely. I think that's a, a very common theme I mean I'm a bit yeah. I am a little bit biased as a Scot to say that but obviously I think you yeah. know <laughs> 
<laughs> no, definitely. I mean, London's got its its good points, but I'm a I've given up London. I don't want to go back there. I'm I, I think happy. a lot of people that do, I just get this common thing. They're like, oh my god, I can afford to almost have like a life and do other things yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and also yeah. like to be in a city where you can get out and into the country in ten minutes and mm. go to the river and have a swim, you right. know, and it not take an hour and a half or two hours to do anything alternative, you know, like in terms of city life. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's huge and there are lots of parks and beautiful places in London, but it doesn't offer you as much, I think. Yeah, 100%. I guess it depends what you want. But yeah, no, it's, it's always a, an argument I will make with people is that you can work in the creative industries and not live in London in the UK. Yeah, and and, but you know what? It really took me a while to believe that. So I do understand when people are like, no, yeah. no, no, I've got to be in London because I was definitely like, no. And to be fair, if I was a jobbing actor who was with an agent and sitting by the phone waiting for those jobs and going to auditions, you know, two or three times a day, it probably would be easier to be in London. Yeah. But because of the nature of Opale and our work, actually, I can do it from Bristol. And yeah, and it works well. No, 100%. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts, but it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But I think we should probably start talking about push in a second because obviously you got to plug your show. Yay! Um, but like, push, 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 push. But the journey—I <laughs> mean, it, the journey to get it here now is—is is imagine being a bit stressed over the last couple of years, like because you were minute, you were ready to go this in twenty twenty, weren't you, to the front? Yeah, um, yeah, we were ready to go. It was looking really good, and then pandemic hit, and we just had to sit on our butts for two years, basically. And it was hard because creatively, what were you supposed to do? You know, we did some digital, some amazing digital projects, and I loved our digital projects, but we'd never done digital before, so it was, you know, it was a challenge and and that was good but also there was no one to connect with physically because we were all isolated so you were doing something new without being to connect with yeah. them and that was so it brought a whole new set of challenges with it but we managed to make some lovely friends out of it and meet some new artists which was great but yeah we're finally taking push up to the fringe it's a great show like it's you know we took a show in 2014 our, our two-hander Manuelita which is me and a musician and we had a great time but it was you know it was the beginning of our career 
beginning of Popolay, so it was really new. So now we're going back as established artists with a good show that we really believe in and that's, you know, had lots of support. So, yeah, we're excited to see how, how we get on, basically. No, it's really exciting and I'm glad. I mean, as I was saying to you at this before we started recording as well, like it's just great to have the Fringe back as well here. Like, living, yeah. like being here in 2020 was bizarre when there was no Fringe on. So, um, yeah, I bet. Very yeah. much exciting. But like, t- tell the sort of listeners what the show's actually about, where they can see it, all that stuff. I mean, we'll link it okay. underneath anyway, but. Yeah, Plug great. The show away. Okay, so Push is a show about the three minutes it takes for the pee stick to tell you if you're pregnant or not. And it's that kind of three minutes of fear, happiness, excitement, all of the kind of emotional questions that surround that moment. And it's a very personal moment. You know, it's very small. It's the person and the pee stick <laughs> and the three minutes. And the time becomes warped and the ambivalence potentially of the feelings of whether we want it to say yes or no. And then that kind of morphs into the intergenerational question about being a mother and, you know, do modern women want to, you know, questions about whether we want to be mothers or, you know, what did our mothers do and what did our grandmothers do? And push is linked to my Latin American heritage. So there is this element of, you know, the past having lots and lots of babies and us now maybe not having so many babies and all of that kind of intergenerational questions it's physical it's wonderfully physical it's funny and there are some great moments where I think a lot of people who've seen it already are like oh you really nailed that you know you really nailed that feeling about parenthood or about motherhood or yeah there's something very emotional and honest and truthful about it as well which feels really good to perform yeah no it's really exciting and you are you acting it as well or like are you yeah the performer Yes, I'm the performer. So yeah, it's a big old it's a big old show for me, but it's uh it's great. It's a lovely it's a really lovely show to perform, and we're just so happy to like finally get to do it after two years, basically. Yeah. Did you look, make a lot of changes over the two years? Like, did you tighten yeah. it up, or was it did it sort of feel? Tight, yeah, we tightened it up, and then we've done some previews now on our lead up into Edinburgh, and so we it's now looking nice and neat and tidy. So, but that was the thing, and we did some small tweaks, costume changes and sort of lighting stuff but we wanted to just make it look amazingly hot so now it's ready <laughs> it's been cooked in the oven long enough <laughs> yeah and you're doing the full run as well it's like the whole month so yeah. it's exciting yeah. oh yeah oh my god I just can't wait to perform every day I mean it's what us actors want to do really you know and so yeah especially freelance actors who are always waiting <laughs> for the next gig <laughs> yeah no that's really exciting and um, well, obviously there's a link to that under the podcast so yeah. there's less than tickets are available yeah. there yeah so it's at the Pleasance Courtyard I need to remember Pleasance Courtyard at the Baby Grand or the Baby Dome Baby Dome maybe something baby definitely baby <laughs> it's, it's about pregnancy yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about pregnancy yeah and um, it's on at 2 p.m every day uh except for the 15th but yeah Otherwise, it's on every day. And most, and most importantly as well, it's lit, isn't it? So there you go. It's fine. It's lit. It's super lit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really exciting. But I sort of have a few more questions just to sort of wrap up. I know we've been speaking for like 48 minutes now. It always flies by. And I know you're also in a rehearsal space. So I imagine you'd also got things to be getting on with soon as well. So a question just obviously, mm. I've been asking everyone that's been on the podcast this month in the run up to the Fringe, because it's been a very fringe theme month here. I just yeah. get a real job. But like, what sort of advice would you give to people that wanted to say, maybe haven't got a show this year? 
year, but next year they're like, I'd quite like to take a show to Edinburgh. I know you've not done it yet, as in like it's still to come and you might like mm. learn learn things. But what, what would you sort of say to people is like a good way of preparing for that? I would say go to the fringe and like spend some time, maybe spend a week going to shows, seeing the different venues and deciding which ones you think would work for your show. I would talk to other artists who've gone up and, and ask them very candidly about the finances of it and how much it costs because it's really expensive and you don't get any support as an English performer because Arts Council doesn't go to Scotland, doesn't extend to Scotland. So you need to find the funds separately. And that makes a huge difference to a lot of artists, annoyingly, you know, with with all artists. But yeah, the finances is a huge thing. And we should be way more open and honest about it as artists working in the industry. So if we can start talking about it, then I think that that's great, especially to new and incoming artists. And, you know, we can be, you know, brutal about it. And like, this is how much we spent and this is how much we made. This is how much we thought we'd make. And this is how much we actually made, you know. And so it's an investment. It's definitely not something that you, I think you can walk away being like oh yeah and I made this much money it's more like this is an investment to the promotion of my company I would say yeah definitely go up and spend some time at the fringe yeah no 100% agree on like the having to be honest about the financial aspect of like anything like this in the arts I mean particularly it's a just a hard industry full stop for a lot of people financially and especially taking a show somewhere like Edinburgh I think even if you're a Scottish performer it's probably very hard as well to even get like you know it's not easy it's not easy and it really needs I personally really believe that it needs to change and that we need to find a way of making it more accessible for people who don't have the funds the idea of a fringe is always that it's on the outskirts you know and that you go and you try something and you don't take loads of financial risk on it because it's a trial and but now it's become about taking professionally finished shows up there competing with some huge companies and that makes it very difficult for a lot of young companies or uh, companies that don't have the financial your backing it's tough man. no 100% it's, it's very like centered around like basically a lot of people who have already made it anyway or who are yeah. very privileged position and already have a status which is just yeah it's not what's about as you say fringe is meant mm. to be like a celebration and it's meant to mean it's not meant to be about take the, a the risk try yeah. something you know exactly. art is about trial and error a lot of the time and sometimes you want to do a show yeah. and be like look I've got this idea but it's probably crap but you know I want to risk it and you know if the fringe would be the perfect place back in the day to do that you know you'd go up you'd trial it you're like great I bought that that was awful like everyone thinks I'm shit but you know at least I didn't spend 15 grand doing it you know and and now it's you know you won't go up you shouldn't you can't really go up unless you know that you've got a show that's gonna cover your costs a little bit because otherwise you you know it's just it's hard yeah you've got to be willing to if you do go up and you don't have the money you've got to be willing to just like take the massive risk and yeah, it's not really it's yeah, not fair exactly it's, it's not, not really, easy to do especially at the moment in a cost of living crisis well another question i got to quickly ask you before just that sort of going to the final ones is, is about your influences as a as a creative and actor who, who are your sort of biggest sort of creative influences that you look up to or who have inspired so I was really inspired by a theatre company called Complicité and they all trained at Jacques Lecoq in Paris or a lot of them did so I was hugely influenced by them early on and then I think I'm also I'm I'm not really influenced by lots of kind of theatre companies I'm actually more interested in histories and cultures and dances from different cultures and the movements of things so yeah I really like watching how things move and copying them and imitating them and then using them to inspire me in some way and I think that those and stories like 
old stories are the things that kind of inspire me the most to make work. And my peers, there's loads of cool actors, directors, performers, artists, musicians in my life who, you know, are working super hard, making amazing things, and they inspire me. So I could run a list, but I shan't. <laughs> It'll be too <laughs> <I'm sorry>. long. <laughs> I feel like that's why everyone should just say at the Oscars or the yeah, Brits when they yeah. win, they could just say. I could say thank you to everyone, but I'll spare you. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just the question about, we kind of touched on it, like the two years you had to wait and like, having to like been such a while to like get the show on. but like what did you sort of learn from the lockdown the most like in terms of you as a creative like what lessons did you take at that hard period and uh, I hate being alone <laughs> and patience I guess yeah. what else did we have we had to be patient didn't we and we and had to was... a lot of the time be on our own too often as well so yeah exactly so I think that those were the things I really didn't like lockdown that for me was really hard so yeah I think it was for many people yeah oh definitely and I you know I was I know that I wasn't the only disappointed artist out there who had a trajectory for that year that then got postponed. So no. yeah, that was really tough. Yeah, every artist we'd had on the podcast this month who's taken a show to the fringes all talked about the momentum just being broken and how hard that is. Yeah. I mean, 100%, yeah. of course, it, it does. It takes away that it took away that momentum. It's just yeah. great that you are now all able to get back, which is good and hopefully yeah. kick on, which is exciting. Just get a real but of course, yeah. the name the name of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job. We'd all had to work jobs we maybe didn't like, part-time jobs or, quote, real jobs. What's the worst job you'd ever had to do in your life you that you maybe what? hated? Or I don't really... I, when you said that, I was like, I don't really think I had a job that I really hated. I was a lifeguard. My first kind of part-time job was as a lifeguard. And, <laughs> you know, it was really sleepy because swimming pools are actually really warm. And, and and I would be kind of really sleepy. And that's, of course, not how to be a lifeguard. <laughs> but then I was a croupier and I was a courier and I've worked bars and restaurants. And I actually really enjoy all of them. I've never had anything that I'm like, ah, that was really crap. I guess it's just about, you know, making the most of the situation. And for me, if there's people involved and interaction. Yeah, even I remember I did a receptionist job, which I love because I could whenever I like picked up the phone and they made a like a reservation I was like oh that person's got a really interesting voice I'm going to try and copy that accent or something <laughs> I don't know so for me I was just like there was something to gain but you would copy the accent experience. on the phone or like afterwards afterwards and then I okay would, I, would, I, would, I, I thought you like, meant like you would try and imitate them at the time I, I was like, like yeah like oh you're like oh hello <laughs> <laughs> probably did that too it was probably the worst thing yeah I don't know I don't remember there ever being a job that I was like ah that that was hard or well, not so I mean hard jobs are hard but I mean that I didn't like I think I've enjoyed all my jobs I've been lucky really really lucky in that respect no fair no I mean I think you're also like taking a lot of the positives out of the jobs which is a good thing to do yeah that's something about me I basically don't remember any bad things which is a great thing I mean I have first of all I have a terrible memory second of all I don't remember any bad things so when I look back I'm like no it wasn't that bad oh that that big breakup no it wasn't that bad <laughs> I just seem to uh, just can just use forget it all the crap stuff can use it in some art in the future and it'll yeah, all be great exactly, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> well thank you Tamsin for your time Tam. No. I've just got one more question before but it's, yeah. it's been lovely chatting and I appreciate your honesty yeah. and, and sharing your oh. sort of career to date and, and plugging your shows I, I will definitely come along and see Push yeah, we sort of, we, yeah but we sort of like to close the podcast by asking our guests to just sort of share their advice for anyone who maybe wants to work in the creative industry 
industries in general, but particularly sort of do what you do. So like, what would your advice be to them? I would say that if you want to be a writer, then write, 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 just write everything, even if it's not uh, great. Nobody has to read it. You don't have to read it if you don't want to, but just write. I'd say if you want to be a performer, then get on stage, give it a go, try all the different kinds of performance that interest you, talk to people, go to courses. If you can afford to go to a drama school or a you know performing school, you could do that. Or if you wanted to go to courses and do shorter courses, or if you wanted to shadow and work in a theatre company for a little bit and see how it works. But yeah, I guess just do what you want. Like always, just try, try. You know, take risks. Um, prendre le risque, as we would say in French. You can only fail, and that's not terrible you know like mm. we all fail every day at everything so you know just give it a go yeah no, 100 and, and i'm very i was a little bit cheeky because i did say it was the last question but i just remember i was reading an, an interview you did for the fringe a few weeks ago in an article or whatever and you talked about how like sharing your work before it's ready was also like a really good thing to do yeah and i was just oh wondering my God. if you could quickly really, unpack really good. yeah yeah i think you want to put things out there like it's easy to guard them and get scared it's like it's not perfect yet it's not perfect yet but you know people will be honest and you know, you can take their advice or you don't take their advice. Different people will value it in different ways. And you as well have to take your own perspective on things. So, but it's always worth putting it out there, especially theatre. You know, does theatre even exist if nobody sees it? You know, so that's, that's what it is. It's someone walks across the stage. What is Peter Brooks? If you, somebody walks across the stage and a bare stage and that's it. And somebody watches him, that's theatre or her or them. So, yeah, you know, it, somebody needs to see your work in theatre to make it a thing so yeah and i'm sure lots of people are going to go and see push at the fringe next month it's very exciting oh, so, uh, I hope so. thank you very much for your time that's been great chatting. thanks so much jamie really lovely to meet you that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast i want to thank tamsin for joining us it was an incredible conversation more information about her show push if you check the links below and yes you can find out more about the show and how to get tickets for the show as well as other links to some other stuff as well. It was a wonderful conversation as always. If you'd like to hear more about different conversations with different guests that we've had previously, check the back catalogue. Also share us on social media. I'm not going to repeat myself because I feel like a broken record. But what I will repeat is that we're coming to the Edinburgh Fringe for the very first time. It's time to get excited. If you want to check out more, check out the links in the description below. We're playing free Wednesday nights and we're going to have free incredible conversations. I'm excited, Jamie's excited and you should be too. So if you want to find out more, check the link below. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. We love your support as always. Hopefully Jamie will be back to do the intros and outros next week and he will most certainly be back next week with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. But until then, take care of yourselves and bye for now. Just get a real job